It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Monday to you. You're off to a great day and a great week. Uh, a lot of kids heading back to school today or over the next couple of days, and we're going to be covering that as we move through the day. This is the extended edition of Inside Sources. We'll be with you all the way until 3 o'clock today. And I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you. And we got a lot of ground to cover. If you didn't hear our uh, tee-up with Maria a little earlier, uh, we got a jam-packed show today. We'll have the uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox will join us at 105. We'll talk about uh, some of the things he's doing differently as he approaches a campaign for the governorship in uh, 2020. We'll also have the junior senator from the state of Utah, Mitt Romney, who gave a speech today on the future of conservatism. He'll be uh, in studio with us here at 120. Luz Escamilla, who uh, qualified uh, for the November ballot in a really exciting Salt Lake mayor's race uh, between Luz Escamilla and Aaron Mendenhall. And uh, Luz is going to join us at 135 to get her perspective on uh, what took place and then what lies ahead as we start marching towards November. It will be here really fast and the campaign will really heat up, I think, once we get past Labor Day uh, in a little over a week. Uh, we'll also have historian David Barton's going to join us today and give some perspective on things that we need to remember and, and why it's so critical for all of us to remember that community leads and our politicians and other leaders follow. <laughs> it's always community first, and he has some uh, extraordinary stories from the revolution and from other points in history uh, that point to that very fact and how important it is that we remember those. Also, Representative Ken Ivory, who announced uh, late last week that he would be stepping down from the Utah House of Representatives. Uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, his experience on Utah's Capitol Hill, where he's going next. And most important, uh, uh, he has really been one of the champions of federalism and really getting things down to the state. And I want to get his perspective. There was a uh, piece in The Atlantic today that uh, talked about the fact that uh, America's governors are starting to get squeezed. There's becoming more and more mandatory uh, spending coming at them from Washington, D.C. And so it's limiting the ability of many governors to really be that laboratory of democracy. So I want to get uh, Representative Ken Ivory's uh, take on that as we go through the day as well. Let's jump into a quick rundown of the news and what's been happening over the weekend. Uh, first news bit for the day, uh, most important, my son McKay is 23 today. So happy birthday to McKay Robert Matheson. He is uh, on the clock and uh, doing some great things uh, down in school and wishing him a happy birthday today. I uh, also want to break into uh, some of the things going on around the world. In particular, we watched over the weekend uh, a really extraordinary protest, and that is uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, we covered that all through the week last week, and obviously there were some some violent clashes uh, at the airport uh, in the middle of last week, and then things kind of settled down. Uh, but you had a huge number of people come out over the weekend. This is the 11th weekend in a row that protesters have taken to the streets of Hong Kong. 
to demand uh, more freedom. And a lot of this was sparked off of a, uh, a mandate that would have allowed China to take citizens of Hong Kong and from other places around the world uh, who had any altercations within Hong Kong and moved them to mainland China and into the Chinese judicial system, which is very opaque, very murky, very cloudy, uh, and not a lot of confidence in terms of the process there. So uh, that's really been the genesis of this. Uh, but if you watched over the weekend, uh, really stunning to see the number of people who took to the streets in Hong Kong and how they took to the streets in Hong Kong. Here's a little insight from our uh, colleagues at ABC. Extraordinary scenes here in Hong Kong as hundreds of thousands defied the torrential rain, threats from China and a police ban by marching onto the streets. We saw young and old, rich and poor with umbrellas that have long been a symbol of protest here held high. Organizers say there were 1.7 million people on the streets and if that's true, that's a quarter of the city's entire population. Even more remarkable then that it was entirely peaceful. No repeat of the violence we've seen recently and riot police who've attacked crowds before mostly stayed in their stations. Okay, so again, that's an extraordinary number if those numbers are accurate. Uh, but how they did it, that, when they did it in the rain, uh, and there's actually some fascinating video online if you haven't seen that. Uh, obviously, this, this water uh, moving through is really the analogy that they're trying to use in a peaceful protest. And how do you do this in a way that is civil, uh, that does not lead to violence and retaliation, uh, we know that China continues to amass and do drills at the borders uh, as really kind of a show of strength and a flex of the muscle there by mainland China. Uh, but this is, there's a lot to this. Uh, I want to go to one more piece of sound from our uh, our colleagues at ABC in terms of just some perspective of what this looked like, what this felt like over the weekend. The slogan of protesters is, it's now or never. And that's because they've been here before and it didn't work. And what I'm hearing repeatedly is they won't stop until their demands, which are centred on justice and democracy, are met. And this gives Beijing a real dilemma. Because if it backs down, it sets a dangerous precedent, potentially, for the rest of the country. And if it intervenes violently, then President Trump now saying it would be hard to do a trade deal and the rest of the world will be under pressure to respond. All right, again, uh, reporting from uh, Hong Kong over the weekend, uh, significant protests there, again, peaceful protests, uh, well over a million people for sure uh, took to the streets and, uh, again, in a very peaceful manner. And the, the question really is accurate, is what does mainland China do if they crack down harshly? Uh, that's going to be a problem. Uh, President Trump himself has said that would be really difficult to continue to negotiate on trade agreements uh, if there were a violent response to the protesters. Uh, at the same time, you have the Chinese government uh, needing to save face with its people uh, to show strength that it is in charge, that it is in control. Uh, and so there's, there's some real debate and some real battles yet to be had there in Hong Kong uh, and again, I think this also plays into uh, how does this play here in the United States? Uh, one, you have an economic issue in terms of business. And I think everyone is trying to reinsure business leaders that it's okay, that it's still safe to do business in Hong Kong, that things are going to be okay, that this is going to settle down, that cooler heads are going to prevail, that they're going to be able to get to some compromise and some solutions, and uh, that business continue to be uh, can continue to thrive there in Hong Kong. And I think that's important. I think that's what everybody wants, uh, is to make sure that that continues to, to thrive. Hong Kong is a, an important center, 
uh, for a lot of business and um, other activity. And so uh, making sure that that is able to continue and keep pace is is really critical and really important. The other thing is, how is this going to play uh, as it as we roll closer to the end of the year? Uh, as we look at uh, what was mentioned, those uh, trade negotiations, uh, that is going to be become a topic, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it's been a, a topic in the past, but I think it is now a little more front and center. You've had people on both sides of the political aisle uh, calling out, the president and saying, hey, we, we need to stand with the protesters. We need to stand with those that are marching for freedom. Uh, the president's trying to walk a really fine line to to make sure that he's not alienating uh, those in mainland China uh, and making sure that he is also standing on the side of freedom, democracy, and liberty uh, on the other. And so I think it's uh, going to continue to be a, a high wire act. It's also going to be very fascinating. Again, once we get after Labor Day, uh, you have a series of debates that will be coming up on the Democratic side, including one on, just on climate change that we'll talk about a little later on. Uh, but how will those candidates handle the Hong Kong issue? Will they want to stand with the protesters? What do they think about mainland China? What do they think about some of these potential things that could happen? Uh, and how does that all play into their view of leadership uh, rolling into the 2020 campaign. So much, much more to to watch and follow. Stay with us on KSL News Radio for all of the continuing coverage of what's going on in Hong Kong and how that will continue to play out. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk about those 2020 candidates. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, my friend Mark Sanford from uh, South Carolina. He's inching a little closer towards making a decision about whether he will contest against President Trump for the presidency on the GOP side, on the nomination. Uh, That and much, much more on an extended version of Inside Sources. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.